given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now listen, when we talk about eternal life, understand this. We're not just talking about living forever in heaven. We're talking about your quality of life here on earth. You know, Jesus had, when Jesus was here on planet earth, he, he uh, what, basically what he did is his life uh, exemplified what I'm talking about. The quality of the life of Jesus had the quality of heaven. And so uh, let, me, let me read this with this, this uh Oh, who was it that said this? A fellow by the name of James Stewart. Uh, this is quoted out of his book, A Life in Christ. It says, the life which flows from God into man is something totally different from anything experienced on the natural plane. It's different not only in degree, but also in kind. It is a supernatural life. And so the life that we live now, it's no longer us that's living. That's what the word says. But it's Christ living in us. And so the life that we live takes upon, as, as Christians, now I know that this is not uh, the, the rule in the church. This is the exception. But really the rule of the Bible is this, that as believers, our life ought to take on a quality of the supernatural. There ought to be something, there ought to be something extraordinarily different about the Christian, about the believer. Why? Because we're not living this life on our own. We're no longer living for ourselves, but it's Christ living in us. Well, if Christ lives in us, then the qualities of the life that he led here on earth ought to be exemplified through the life of the believer. Come on, somebody. Listen, some of you watch your life every day, and I know I'm not asking you all to, to, to beat yourself up or to, or to uh, uh, run yourself through the mud or, or, um, uh, or pay penance for this, but at some point, we've got to realize that our, that our lives don't measure up to the standard of the Word of God. Right. Not, even, not even to the standards of Jesus, but the standards of the book of Acts. You know, Acts, the, the believers in the book of Acts, at, at, thank God that at the very least they had some quality of the supernatural that was manifested through their lives. And if there wasn't that quality of the supernatural that was manifested in their lives, they thought something was wrong. Believers today don't believe that anything is wrong when they don't. Amen. There, there are churches that are meeting all over this city today. There are churches that are meeting all over Oklahoma City, all over this nation, and all over the world. They're meeting today. And you know what? The Word of God will be preached, and people will leave services, and they'll say, oh, what a great service. And no one, almost nobody in those churches will be concerned that nothing happened in the service that happened in the book. We'll talk about the good message, we'll talk about how great the preaching was, and we'll leave without there being any kind of manifestation uh, like what happened in the Word of God happening amongst us, and we won't think nothing of it. In fact, some of you, you can't wait to get out of here. And we just started. Well, praise the Lord, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
At, at some point, someone's got to start becoming concerned that we're not, that we're not seeing the same thing happen in our lives that, that happened in the lives of believers in the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts ju doesn't just talk about the apostles. It doesn't just talk about those that walk with Jesus. It talks about people that were brand new believers, people that had just gotten born again, people that the Bible called disciples. It wasn't a, it wasn't a prophet. It wasn't an apostle. It wasn't an evangelist. It wasn't a pastor. It wasn't a teacher that went and, and ministered to Saul of Tarsus after he was after he was knocked to the ground on the Damascus road and called to salvation. It was a disciple, the Bible says. It was just a follower of Jesus, a disciplined learner of the Lord. And he went because God spoke to him while he was in prayer and said, go to the street called Straight and inquire of one named Saul of Tarsus and tell him I have a plan for him. And it was through a disciple, not through an apostle, not through an evangelist, not, not through some most high potentate one of the church, but through some disciple that was in prayer somewhere that believed what I'm talking about, that believed he had eternal life, that believed there was a supernatural quality that came uh, to his life when he got born again and when God's spirit came to live on the inside of him that went over there to the apostle Paul and laid hands on him. And the Bible says it was like scales falling off of his eyes and his sight was restored when this disciple laid hands on him and he was called to the ministry by a word that God gave through vision, through a dream, through a visitation to a disciple. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure how effective what I'm telling you is. See, it's, it's, it's my hope that some of you will leave these services after we're done and that you will go home and there'll be a greater measure of expectation in your life that God will do the supernatural in you and through you because that's his desire. God don't want you functioning in the natural. God wants you functioning on a higher level. God wants you functioning on a different plane. God never intended for you to grope around in the dark in this life trying to find your way to success. God has a plan and if you'll follow his plan, he will lead you you to success. You can make your own way or you can go God's way. Amen. And I'm telling you, sometimes God's way isn't easy, but God's way is better. You can quote that one. God's way might not be easy, but it's better. It may not be easier, but it's a better way. Why? Because it's his way. Because it works according to his plan. Amen. Believe me, some of you are going to want to teach your kids this. Some of you are going to want to leave that as an inheritance to your children and to your children's children. All right, so it says this. He says, uh, he says uh, it's, it's different not only in degree, but also in kind. It's a supernatural life. It makes man a new creation. It's not the intensification of something already possessed. But the sudden emergence of an entirely new and original element. When a man comes to be in Christ, he begins to live in the post-resurrection life of Christ. <laughs> oh, isn't that awesome? The life he now lives bears the quality of eternity. Amen. Listen, just the, the very nature of what we carried around ought to change the atmosphere everywhere we go. 
It ought to provoke the people around us to want to live a different kind of life. You know what? There's, and I think I told you all this. You know, there's some things that you all find attractive about my ministry. I'm going to tell you this right now. None of it had anything to do with me. None of it had anything to do with intelligence. None of it had anything to do with man's wisdom. None of it had anything to do with academics or learning. Any, anything that anyone has ever been attracted to in my life and in my ministry, it's because it bore the quality of heaven. It bore the quality of the life of God. Amen. It bore the quality of what came on the inside of us when we received Jesus as our personal. And I'm, amen. See, that ought, that ought to give you an idea of why some of you don't have any friends. Or why some don't want to be around you. Or why people can't stand to listen to you. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be ugly. I think that you need to be, I think, I think. <laughs> Not only do we need to, to discern, but we need to, we just need to be perceptive. Boy, I'm, I am preaching. Some of you want to be in denial because you don't want your feelings to be hurt. I just can't deal with that right now. You know, I, I, I you know what? I can't, I can't hear that right now. I can't hear that I don't have friends because I'm not friendly. I can't hear that I don't have friends because I don't exemplify the supernatural. Listen, some of us don't have certain friends because we exemplify Christ, and they're convicted, and they don't like what they see. But, but most of us, we don't have friends because there's the, quality, the quality of the life we live is so carnal, so self-centered, and so natural that people don't want to come. And then we wonder why people don't want to hear us when we have something to say about the gospel. When we have something to say about, amen. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Some people are like, I'm, I'm called of God. Listen, it's so cool. You're called of God. But guess what? There's nobody. Let, let's say you're a member of this church. If you're a member of this church and you're called of God, ain't nobody going to listen to words you say if, you, if, if you're, if you're wishy-washy and flaky and half-hearted in your commitment. Nobody's going to listen to you. God, God might anoint you and give you the most awesome prophecies and most awesome words. You might be the best preacher. You might be the best... Um, uh, singer, you might be the best musician, you might be the best at everything that you do, but if you're flaky and wishy-washy and carnal and self-centered and don't think about nobody but yourself and do things your way according to how you want it done, only fulfilling your needs and your desires, never thinking twice about what it is that God would want you to do and the sacrifices involved, listen, I've got news for you. Those of you that feel, uh, those of you that feel jilted by God because you have to sacrifice, you feel like you're always having to sacrifice to do the will of God. Guess what? Suck it up, buttercup. That's the way that it is. I mean, that's the way that it is. <laughs> there's, there's some people like, well, you know, I just, I've, I, 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 I love my family. I love my family. I love my family too, but guess what? They're second to God. They're second to me doing the will of God. Amen. Birthday parties are secondary. Your, <laughs> I'm about to ruffle some feathers here. Your job ought to be secondary to what God's purpose is for your life. That, that path that you're pounding out for yourself, that ought to be secondary to the path that God has planned for you. 
Well, I feel like the Lord. Well, you need to quit feeling like you need to figure it out. Because some of you in, in going after your feeling, amen, you're alienating yourself from the life of God. If you, hey, if you want to know who you are, just come ask me after church. Because some of you are like, is he preaching to me? Come ask me, I'll tell you if I was preaching to you. I mean, no sense in mixing words. <laughs> <laughs> I like that phrase, the sudden emergence of an entirely new and original element. I like that. William, William Barclay said this way, eternal life is not simply life that goes on forever. It's true that the New Testament never forgets that God has promised men resurrection from the dead, but the essential of eternal life is not duration, it's quality. Eternal life is the injection uh, is the injection into the realm of time something of the realm of eternity. <laughs> it, is, it, is the coming, it is the coming into human life of something of the life of God. Amen. And, and that, ought, that ought to have an name. You know, with, without that, without understanding that, I can teach and preach on God's blessing financially, of, of God blessing us in, in the realm of supernatural. You know, when we talk about supernatural increase, we're specifically talking about God's blessing in the area of finance. That's what the, I know some of you can't believe this, but that's actually what we're talking about right now is God's blessing in the area of finance. <laughs> walking walking in, in the fullness of God's blessing in our finances. That's what we're talking about. And many times it's because we fail to understand that that's, that's, where the, that's, where, that's where all blessing comes from. It's from us walking in and realizing the power and the life that was given to us in that post-resurrection life of Christ when God's Spirit came to live on the inside of us. That, that's what will cause us to walk in divine health and in divine wholeness. I, I was telling folks this over at... Um, Oh, over in a Queen City. You know, y'all, I talked to y'all about the airplane, all the mistakes they made on the airplane. I was kind of cranky that Sunday, you remember? <clears throat> That's the first time I've been cranky, even probably in a long, stinking time. When I got born again, contrary to what, and I'm not trying to rip off my arm to pat myself on the back here, but contrary to a lot of people, I don't have a whole lot of ups and downs. I'm not on a roller coaster. I live on the mountaintop, regular. Amen. Amen. You know what? I've uh, Honestly, I can think of one time in my whole walk with God that I wanted to give up. Once. And that was early on in the, in the journey. Real early in the journey. Now, I know, I said, I mean, like, Man, you're just, you're whatever. No, I'm serious. I don't, I don't get up, I don't get up sad. I wake up filled with joy. I live every day filled with joy. Amen. I very rarely get sad. I can't think of the last time I was sad. I used to get angry, but then I, 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 I let that eternal life 
flood into that area of my life, I quit getting angry too. To the point where if I was going to get angry, I had to like, I had to like put it on. Not that I never get angry, but most of the time when I was raising my children, um, if, if, I, if I needed to act like I was angry, I had to put it on with them because they couldn't really make me that mad. Now, some of you are saying, why are you saying this, Pastor Zig? Because some of, some of you don't think it's possible to live in that place. Listen, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't have to battle and strive every day to try to live for God. I'm not going through battles and, oh, you know, y'all just pray for me. That's why when I tell y'all to pray for me, I tell you to, to pray specifically. Pray this. Pray that I don't mess it up. Because you know what? I'm not struggling. I have, I have never struggled to live for God. But it's not, you know, some of you say, I'm good for you. You must be built different. No, it has nothing to do with being built different. You know what? You know what I think it was? I think it was just a perfect storm in my life. There was a perfect storm. I got born again when I was, when I was 14 or 15. I got born again when I was 15. I went into the ministry when I was 16. When you're 15, when I'm 15 years old, I'm living with my dad. I have no responsibilities, no mortgage, no children, no family, none of that. I just, it's just me. And so when I got born again, that environment uh, lent itself to me being able to spend all the time necessary for me to, uh, to develop a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amen. It just so happened that dur- uh, during that time, um, you know, I, then, then I married Annie, and then I, we, we continued moving forward, being married to her, Opened up still yet. You know what? Annie, every time I left the house to go preach, Annie wasn't at the door going, do you got to go? I don't want you to go. Boy, I sure hate this. Why does God do this to me? Why, God? Why me? Thank God. She didn't make it difficult. She didn't. Amen. Are, are Are some of you wives listening to me today? My wife didn't make it difficult for me to do the will of God. She made it very easy for me to do the will of God. She didn't stand in my way. She didn't try to guilt trip me into staying at home. She didn't try to guilt trip me that I was leaving her with all the responsibilities. She didn't call every night crying, saying how much she missed me and all these I mean, we miss one another, but she wasn't trying to manipulate me. She wasn't selfish. She was selfless. Thank God. Thank God. Because I've heard heard lots of horror stories of preachers that married women, and those women were a nightmare uh, for them to have to deal with when it came to them doing the will of God. Amen. Now, see... This is why I hesitate to talk about this stuff because I, I start looking at people, people like, listen, the only reason I'm saying this is because we, we've, got, we've got to strive to change, church. You're not just going to change overnight because you heard me preach. By God, you've heard me preach the, uh, from, from, different pers- from different perspectives. You've heard me preach this same message now. This, your fourth, this is going on your fourth time. To hear it from different perspectives. Oh, yeah. All right? And so, <laughs> first three times, <laughs> you know, 
just hearing it. You, you have to determine in your heart. You know, Annie, I'm sure if I, let her, if, if I let her think about it and then let her get up here and talk about it, she will tell you that at some point she had to determine in her heart that she was going to live according to what was in her and not what was in her head. That she had to live what was in her spirit instead of what was in her mind and in her flesh. Because I'm sure that she had an opportunity to give a, a voice to her flesh and to her natural man and to say what she felt. But instead of saying what she felt, she said what God said. And you know what? We lived in a lot of victory because of that. We're not, you know, we, uh, our, our marriage, our relationship in marriage is, is stronger than a lot of people's. And I, I've, met, I've met preachers, I've met pastors that thought that because my wife and I spent so much time away from each other when I was doing the work of the ministry, that that had weakened our relationship. And I looked into their lives and I looked into their relationships and they were jacked up. And Annie and I had a strong relationship because, because our relationship wasn't built on what we, you know what? If I had built my relationship on what I learned in the natural, my mother's been divorced four or five times. My dad's been divorced four or five times. If I had learned from them, that's where I'd be. So I didn't have a, I didn't have, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And none of us, you know what, none of us, when we get born again, none of us are experts on how to live this eternal life. But you know how you do it? You lean into the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. You lean into the Spirit. Yes. You're, you're per, you you, you got to be perceptive. You have to have discernment. You know what, there were times that I began to get off course and to get in the flesh. You know how I you know how I identified that? I identified that by looking inwardly, finding out if what I was doing was selfish or whether what I was doing was of the spirit. Go ahead now. It, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure this stuff out. We have Bibles, amen. Yeah. We can look into the word of God. But a lot of the reason why we don't we don't step over into that greater measure. It's because the, the greater measure is only going to come when we give a greater measure of ourselves over to this God kind of life. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. So it's a perfect storm. So Annie and I are married. Let me just tell you, finish this thought. So Annie and I are married, and she's, she's not standing in the way at all. She's not standing at the door crying, watching me as I drive off. She's not calling me every 10 minutes. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? When are you going? Boy, I sure wish you'd come home. I, I sure feel neglected. Why Why'd you leave me here? Why would you just? She, she, when, we, when she attended church, she didn't go to people crying to pray for me. Six God, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. If we'd have had Facebook then, I guarantee she wouldn't have been on Facebook making these well, I guess I'm, I, I guess I'm complaining too much, so I guess I'll just be quiet. I was just, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, he's, he's gone again, so don't ask. Listen, if, if I can do it, and I'm an idiot, you can do it too. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But if I can, if I can live, if I can live in that, if I can live in the measure that I live, you can't do now. Now again, I did have some advantages early on that helped me out to that helped me to go farther, faster. I think 
you know, Annie, being alone by myself for the first part was one of them. Annie being so gracious was another reason. And then, glory. Then we hit revival. And God began to pour out his spirit in ways that we had never. I'm, I'm talking about there, there, was a, there was a flow of the Holy Ghost that went way beyond. Way beyond anything that some people have seen nowadays. I mean, it's powerful. Amen. But you know, when children started to come, things started to change. Do you know that uh, some of you, the key to your breakthrough financially is understanding the covenants that are important in your life. For example, the marriage covenant. When I was by myself, it was just me and God and, and nobody else. Things were different than when we got married. And thank God she stepped out of the way. But there came a point in time when I, when I was traveling. You know, I'd be gone three, four months at a time. She'd just fly over and see me. And there came a point in time where I sensed, I sensed that the grace that we had to do that didn't seem as strong as it was at another time. In other words, it was more difficult for us to get over in that flow of grace. And I, I, I couldn't identify why it was. And then I talked to Annie, and she says, you know, Zig, she said, I have, I have not said a thing. And this is this after we have children. In fact, it's in 2000. <laughs> we got married in 1988. Nine, no, 88, you lying dog. trying to mess me up. You didn't even know. 1988. Ah, uh, sure you do. She's the one who forgets. Anyway, 1988. <laughs> Good thing you got some uh, powder on you. I see that you're embarrassed. You're red-faced. <laughs> All right, anyway, so. <clears throat> We got married in 1988, and in 2003, how many years is that? 15? Huh? Is it 15 years? 15, 15 years we're living that way in, in that flow. 2003, that's a year before Gabe is born, three years after my daughter Michael is born. Annie comes to me when we, when we moved to Oklahoma. She says this. She says, man, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. How long I'm going to be able to keep doing this now that we have a baby? I don't know how long I'm going to be able to keep, keep up with your schedule being this way. About two and a half to three weeks after she said that, the Lord, I was in prayer. The Lord spoke to me, and he said, you will never be gone for more than two weeks at a time ever again. Now, I'd been traveling for months on end before then, but at that time, he said, you'll never go longer than two weeks ever again. You'll never be gone for more than two weeks. Do you know from 2003 up until now, I've never been gone more than two weeks ever again. But do you, do you know why I believe that was? I believe that was because something that happened in her heart. Because, because God honors the Do you know if Annie ever said out of her mouth, I, I don't think this is working anymore. I don't think you ought to travel. Do you know I believe that probably about three weeks later, the Lord would say, uh, you're not going to take any more meetings. Do you know why? Because that covenant relationship between us is important to God. 
you, re- you do realize that the most important covenant that God established was between him and man. The second most important and the second covenant God established was between man and woman. It is the second most important covenant that was established by God in the earth. And it has an impact. Some of you struggling financially because your marriage is jacked up. Because you don't understand that the covenant between you and your spouse, because, because you can't control your manipulative ways. And it goes both ways. Don't get me wrong. It goes both ways. But two wrongs don't make it right. Did you all read the bait of Satan? Some of you did not. There is a copy of it probably at your house too. Read it. Remember it. You're not exempt from it just because you know it. Some of I know I'm being manipulated, but bless God, you know, I'm a, every dog has his day. <laughs> Do you understand the impact that we have on our provision, on the blessing of our lives? You know, I'm, I'm looking at Miss Rhonda, I'm looking at Miss Carolyn, I'm, I'm looking at, at Cherie here, and some of these ladies that we have that are single in this church, and I know that some of you desire marriage, but you know, I'm going to be honest with you. It might be, it, 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 it's definitely easier to do the will of God when you're single. Boy, some of y'all have gotten real quiet. I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's really quiet in here today. <laughs> it's really quiet in here today. We ought to be, <laughs> we ought to be wanting to do the way. <laughs> Carolyn's like, no, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm just going to find me a good man, right, Carolyn? One that will do the will of God. <laughs> Carolyn, you need to go to Mexico. <laughs> Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. <laughs> 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 Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> 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 Jasmine says she's going to be your discernment. <laughs> but you know, if we, if we would let eternal life govern the direction of our marriage, govern the direction of the decisions that we make in marriage, instead of money, well, you know, if, I, if we do this, then we're going to make so much more a year. Is that really how you want to live your life? By laboring in the arm of the flesh? So you can make more. Listen, church, I'm all, I'm all for people getting promotions and people, you know, furthering themselves. At, but uh, here's, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that we ought to allow the Lord to help us to further ourselves in the direction that he wants us to go. Because I'll be honest with you, some of the stuff that we do is going to end up shipwrecked and no good anyhow when we find out what the will of the Lord is for our life. You know how many people I've, I've seen have to quit a job or quit doing something that they're doing because it wasn't the will of God for them to do that in the first place? 
or people that never can fulfill the plan and the purpose of God because they get so far along in their life. They have a 401k. They have a retirement plan. They have insurance. They have all this stuff. They've accumulated all this stuff, and they have to maintain everything that when God tells them to do something, they can't do it because if they do, it'll, 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 it'll shift their lifestyle so dramatically. And here's what they say. Well, you know, when I retire, then I'll do the will of God. Once, once I, you know, once I get, once I get all that straight, then I'll do what the Lord told me to do. No, you won't. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. Because when you retire, you won't have enough to do it. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See what everybody missed today? <laughs> Is it helpful? Praise God. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be rough. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to give you truth. Listen, it's, at some point, the Bible wouldn't say we could live in victory if at some point we don't live in... Some of you have never lived in victory. Some of you have never been on the mountaintop. And you know, the Bible doesn't say you're going to spend your whole life in the valley. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley. That means you go through and you end up on the other side of the valley. If you've spent your whole life in the valley, something wrong. If all you've ever do is fight, something's Amen. And so you have to examine how much of that flow of life are you aligned to where? How does that flow of life work with those that you've, you've joined in covenant with? You know, there's some people... I appreciate people in having friendships and building relationships, but there are some, some relationships I've departed out of because they're not beneficial to the direction uh, that God is leading me and taking me in my life. And you say, well, that's, that's selfish. No, I'll try to help them as much as I can. But you know what? I'm not going to get caught up in the, in the mud of a relationship that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, that's not beneficial not only for myself, but for the other individual. Praise God. So some of your drinking, partying buddies that you swear you're going to win to the Lord that you hadn't won yet. That every time you get around them, you, you know, you, you love Jesus, but you drink a little. Boy, I'm preaching. They got their medical marijuana card and you just took two drags. I know I'm in y'all's business. See, some people are like, oh, at winners? Yeah, winners. At every church. At every church. You know good and well that was inedible, and you ate it anyhow. Don't be telling me you thought that was a cookie store down the road, don't we? It's over there. You take it, Josiah. And let's go back. Let's go back, Josiah. Josiah's like, woo! No, not today, Josiah. Not today. Oh, that's hilarious. 
<laughs> All right. What shall I do that I may? Amen. So you ought, to have, you ought to have eternal life. Can you imagine if you had the quality of the life of God in your marriage? Oh, yeah. How unstoppable you all would be. You might even try to have babies when you're 53. <laughs> I keep trying. I keep trying. Pray for me, Titus. <laughs> can, you, can, you can you imagine how many financial hurdles you would overcome? Both of you leaning into the Spirit, walking after the Holy Ghost. Ha! Oh, oh. Amen. How unstoppable you'd be. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We need to quit looking at other people's marriages and other people's relationships and trying to, uh, ha, thinking that the standard of our, listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but the people you see on television, that ain't real. Well, you know, nobody else does this. How do you know? How do you know what people are doing? How do you know what's happening in their life? How do you know if you're not, I mean, if you're not really, really in there, how do you know? Well, I wish we had a marriage like theirs. I hear people say that about us all the time. Listen, some of you women don't wish you had a marriage like ours because you'd be, you'd be at home while I'm doing ministry, and that's something that you can't put up with. Yeah, you could if you lean into the Spirit. Amen. Some people didn't let their wife go nowhere because they think she's going to cheat on them. Some wives won't let their husbands go nowhere for fear that. You can always tell when someone does something stupid when they have a joint Facebook account. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like, I don't have a Facebook account. De Debbie won't let him have one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he doesn't have one. I mean. <laughs> All right, let's read on. I, I, I need to go on. Let's read on. <laughs> Amen. You know, I'm, I just feel like I'm in that marriage thing. Maybe this is the, maybe this is the marriage retreat. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't it funny that when there's contention, a carnal contention in a marriage, that the thing that happens is a separation. When usually the very thing that's the that, 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 that it's uh, causing the contention is the fact that they don't feel, someone feels neglected. <sighs> you make me feel neglected, so I'm going to ignore you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that fixes it. 
That's how you know carnality, the difference between carnality, the flesh, and, and the spirit. <laughs> Listen, I, need, I just need, I need some time. Oh, is that, is that how we do it? You mean I have to stew while you get some time? One time, let me, it wasn't a marriage relationship, but one time, I mean, this is relationships in general. One time we had, um, well, I'll just tell you, it was John Aquino. John Aquino was here. And uh, John Aquino, he was, you know, he was just getting into his uh, chef school and whatnot. Well, we'd put him in charge of our koinonias, which were, we used to have koinonias where we had potlucks. We would get together, we would eat. And I put John Aquino, I was like, dude, you're in charge, man. Have at it. And one, one time, there was someone that used to come to our church. Well, I mean, probably they claim they're still members, at some, you know, depending on where they're at. But anyway, um, they used to come to our church, and they had a blow-up with John because they felt like things ought to be set up in the kitchen different than the way John was doing. And John was like, well, here's the thing. Um, you know, kitchen, this, I've been given responsibility for this, and so I need to... I need to, you know, I need for you to just like, and he, and it was hard for John to be nice. You know what I'm saying? You know, y'all, y'all remember John? It was hard for John, but he did. I mean, I was surprised. He did fairly well. He's like, you know, this is, this is kind of, you know, pastor and I talked about this and this is kind of my part. And so if you can just like, you know, leave that alone because I've, I've put it there and this person just act like he wasn't talking. They just kept on moving things and putting things where they wanted. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of this. Just, you know, why don't you go and, I mean, why don't you go and commit yourself to what you're supposed to be doing? I mean, why are you in here when there's actually music playing out there? You need to, you need to go and, and, and be free (laughs) from the burden of what I'm doing in here. And this, this person was like, and finally, this person just tore into him, and, and, and he was like, look, I don't want to have to punch you, but I mean, and this, I mean, this is a woman, too, and he'd have done it. He'd have done it. He'd have, he'd have karate-sized her, boy. But I mean, it was, it was a big old blow-up, one of the biggest blow-ups we ever had at Winter's Church. So John comes to me after service at around, around time everybody's going home, and he says, Pastor, me and so-and-so, we had a blow-up, and I need for, you know, I... I just, you know, I, I said, well, I said, go resolve it. Go get it resolved. Well, they said they're, they're not going to talk right now. They're not, in, they're not in any mode to talk right now. They need to cool down. And so they said they're going to leave. He said, but I'm not comfortable with that. I said, no, they ain't going nowhere. Are you crazy? You're going to come up in here and blow up on somebody. And then, and then you're going you're to go cool down. Leave them in whatever condition they're in. So that you can do whatever you want to do. No, listen, you're going to do this now. Cool down works for kindergartners. Now, I know your therapist is trying to, you know, trying to treat you like a kindergartner. Amen. I know, listen, don't, I'm not against your therapist. Don't get me wrong. I know several of you here. I know. I know. But what about the Word of God? Oh, yeah. 
you know this messes with your, I, I, I don't know if you realize it, but this messes with your finances. In fact, some of us might already be in the million flow. We could get that straight. Some of us, some of us might even be reaching the billion flow. Amen. Ted just glowing like a light over here, like million flow just hit him. Amen. Well, I, t I, I took John and I took that person. I said, sit down here. They said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not in it. I'm not in any mind. I said, well, you better change your mind right now. I said, because you ain't going to leave here and leave him, leave him hanging like that. What, you're going to go home and, and do your cool down and whatnot and go through that whole exercise while someone, while you're putting someone else through the ringer? No, we're not going to do that. This is very simple to resolve. You were out of bounds. You didn't belong in there. Simple, simple as that. You should have had respect for boundaries. I'm like, when John's guitar don't sound right, he don't come back here and start twisting knobs. Which is what they were doing. You know, that was their part. He's not back here, you know, here, let me do that. How would you do if he did that? You wouldn't do too good, would you? No, no we'd have another blow up, might be having another meeting with you. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe I should have left this for a Wednesday. <laughs> but see, there's nothing that'll block. There's nothing that'll block us from receiving God's blessing in every area of life. Like, like, like not understanding those kinds of things. Not understanding that covenant relationship. Not understanding the way that we work through these things is not by might and not by power, but by his spirit. That's why the Bible talks about not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. By my spirit. Amen. Relying upon, trusting in, leaning in to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Doing it according to the word of God, leaning into the spirit of God. Now, there's all kinds of exercises you can go through, all kind of therapy you can go through, all kind of counseling you can take. But if you never lean into the spirit, you're in trouble. Oh, that's right. So Jesus, let's read on, hurry, before we run out of time here. And Jesus said unto, unto him, why callest thou me good? Uh, There is none good but one, that's God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, said unto him, One thing thou lackest. So, so Jesus, this guy had done nearly everything, but he lacked one thing. One thing thou lackest. Now look, look where, they were talking about eternal life, but look where things turn. He says, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come take up your cross and follow me. Next verse. And he was sad at the saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Verse, verse 23, then Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye 
of a needle than for, the rich, for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Boy, now we're opening up a whole new can of worms here. Definitely not. I'm definitely not going to get done with this before, uh, before this morning. But so one thing that I like is, so what was, what was the deal with the rich young ruler? Well, he had a wrong relationship with money. Do you know, uh, he, he was a lover of money instead of a lover of God. You say, how do you know that? Well, because he wouldn't do what Jesus said. If Jesus, listen, if Jesus tells you to sow 40 shares of Tesla stock, if Jesus tells you to sow a seed, which I, I, I don't see Eric around here, but to sow a seed for the painting of an aircraft, which by the way, I shared that testimony with the guys at Longview, they were shocked. Went to Longview, I said, do you know there's one guy who paid for, he said, one person, one person paid for, I said, yes, sir. And then, I, and then I gave him the testimony of you, Don. I said, there's a fellow shared 40 shares. That so, he sold 40 shares of Tesla stock. He's like, one person? I said, one person. You know, the world isn't accustomed to hearing things like that. The world isn't accustomed to hearing things like that. Some of you are Christians, and you're like, what? Yeah, Eric sold 27. Well, I mean, the, the paint job was 35 grand. Uh, they quoted me 27. Eric sold 27 grand toward the aircraft to have it repainted. He thought that's what it was going to cost. There's a fellow here visited uh, during um, when we when we had the building relaunches. Uh, I won't tell you his name because I don't want because people watch this online. But anyway, he came. He 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 wrote he wrote us a check for thirty seven thousand dollars and some change. Just sold thirty seven grand. That's why we couldn't get the PP, second PPP. Because <laughs> we didn't qualify for it. Because <laughs> that check took us over the top. We were barely going to qualify for it anyhow. But that check sent us over the top. 37, just wrote, just wrote a check for 37. Now I know. Some of you are like, well, you know, praise the Lord. Amen. Don't act, listen, don't act like you're a big giver if you're not. That, that, that bothers you because you know what that does? That puts you in a place where you're, again, where you're not, you're, not, you're not leaning into the spirit when you do that way. You're not leaning into the spirit when you do that way. You lean into the spirit by having a desiring, listen, by having a desire, by saying, you know what? I'm not that, but I want to be that. Some of us got ourselves so obligated to debts and to, to we could we can't be that until we start leaning into the spirit. But once you start leaning into the spirit and God starts being your provision, I'm going to tell you right now, doors will open up for you to do even greater. Amen. So this, this fellow, what was keeping him out of the flow of eternal life, he had a wrong relationship with money. He loved his money more than he loved God. He loved his stuff more than he loved God. And we know that because when Jesus told him to do something, Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. When Jesus told him to do something, he knew, he knew Jesus had the way of eternal life. That's why he asked the question, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus gave him the answer. I'm giving you some of the answers right now, and some of you having a hard time with the answer. 
Did you think you wouldn't have a hard time with the answer? Did you think that it would be easy? Listen, it's not the stuff that you're good at that's keeping you out of the flow. It's the stuff that you're no good at. (laughs) If the stuff that you were good at could get you to arrive at your destination, you'd already be there. It's not the stuff that you're good at that's keeping you from fulfilling God's purpose. It's the stuff that you're not good at, the stuff that's tough to do, the stuff that, 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 uh, the stuff that, you're, uh, that you're having difficulty with, the people. You know, some, some of us, it's the people that we have difficulty with that are the ones that are going to help us to, to achieve the goals that God's put in our hearts. So we have to be willing to, to, to work through those things. <laughs> this, gets, this gets way good. He says, he went away sad at the saying, he went away grieved because he had great possessions. He didn't have great possessions. Great possessions had him. He was in love with stuff. Then Jesus, this is what I really like. Jesus looked around about, he said to them, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now notice, look what it says. How hardly, how hardly, (laughs) I, I need a pointer. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the what? Say it again. Say it again. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, Some people think that means heaven. That doesn't say kingdom of heaven. That says kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is here now. It's eternal life. It's the quality by which we live. Is healing a thing of the kingdom? Is healing a thing? Yes. Is prosperity a thing of the kingdom? Is deliverance a thing of the kingdom? Is, let me ask you this. Are gifts of the spirit a thing of the kingdom? <laughs> Joy, righteousness, peace. Those are things of the kingdom. So here's what Jesus was saying. He said, how hardly shall it be for them that have riches to inherit the benefits of the kingdom, to walk in the flow of eternal life. Next verse. And the disciples were astonished at his words. In other words, the disciples were freaking out. But Jesus answered again. So Jesus had to reiterate what he said because his disciples didn't grab what he said the first time. Are y'all seeing this? His disciples were astonished. How, How much were they astonished? Well, they were pretty astonished at his words. Not yet. They were, it's not till the next verse that they're astonished out of measure. Stay with me. I'm almost done. They were astonished at his words. They were freaking out over what Jesus said, Anna. Glory. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Jesus answered again, or he reiterated, and he says unto them, Children, how hard, and he reiterated it to make sure it was understood, how hard is it for them that trust in riches? So listen, for those of you that say, well, see there, Jesus said if you're rich, you can't have the kingdom. That's not what he said. He said it's hard for you when you trust in riches to enter into the kingdom. And then he, said, then he made it clear. It wasn't just if you have them, if you trust them. Now let me, let me tell you something. You don't have to have money to trust money. There are people that are out here with the sign on the side of the, in the median, that they love, they, they love and they trust money more than they trust the living God. Oh, yeah. Amen. 
<laughs> I'll never forget. I, we were in a church service in a, uh, we were a part of a church in South Oklahoma City called Dayspring. And uh, eventually it became Hosanna, and now it doesn't exist anymore. But there was a homeless fellow that came in, or he appeared to be homeless, came into the service. And when he came into the service, um, he, uh, he came in, I was teaching on the offering. Well, he hit up Brother Ted. He's like, hey, you know, can I get a little something? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry, and I need something to eat. I need something to eat and, and, um, and this and that. And so Ted was like, Ted didn't know what to tell him. But, but, but Ted knew that I would know what to tell him. So Ted, Ted says, uh, I'm, well, let's wait for Pastor to get done. Then I, we'll, we'll ha I'll have him talk to you. So after, the, after I got off the platform and after service was over with, Ted brought this fellow over to me. And uh, he said, sir, can you, like, you know, can you uh, help me out? I'm hungry. And I need something to eat. You know, I, I don't have a place to live. And I was, I was leaning into the spirit. Because I don't like to try to deal with people in the flesh. What? So I'm leaning into the spirit. Now, I, I know good and well that not only can people trust and love money that have it, but people can trust and love money that don't have it. So I'm looking at this fella. And while I'm looking at him, the Spirit of God came on me and said, um, don't. Don't give him a dime. Because whatever money you give him is going to go toward booze. So I looked at him. I said, so if I give you this money, I said, are you going to eat or are you going to spend it on alcohol? Oh, no, I, I don't drink, he said. Of course, he smelled like a brewery, and it was Sunday morning. And... <laughs> He said, I don't even drink. And I said, well, I said, the Spirit of God tells me you're just going to use this for, uh, for, um, for alcohol. And he, and he says, well, all you, all you Christians, all you preachers, you're asking for money and this and that and up there talking about money and then you won't even help the people that need it. Then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, um, he is a backslidden preacher's kid. Not, not only is he a backslidden preacher's kid, but he is a backslidden Pentecostal preacher's kid. And he's known my touch, and he's been filled with my spirit. He has spoke with other tongues. And so I looked at him, and I said, I said, you know, the Lord just told me, you're a backslider. You're a backslidden preacher's kid. I said, not only are you a backslidden preacher's kid, but you're a backslidden Pentecostal preacher's kid. And you've been touched by God, baptized in the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues. The Spirit of God is being... And he goes, and he says, well, how do you, how do you, how do you know that? I said, the Lord, the Lord just told me. He says, I guess you want an offering, huh? He reached into his pocket, and he pulled out a roll of bills that could choke a horse. I guess you want an offering. I said, give it here. <laughs> he pulled it back. And, no, I'm not, I'm not giving you anything. But boy, you know, God, God's spirit. No, there, there are a lot of people that are living under a curse. And all because they have a, 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 a wrong relationship with finance. As, as, as God's people, we have to develop a right relationship with our money. Amen. A wrong relationship with money will keep you out of the flow of the kingdom. So you can't trust money. You have to trust God. Say this with me. I don't trust money. I trust God. Let me tell you something about money. Money's unfaithful. 
Money will be with you today and leave you tomorrow. And it won't even tell you it's leaving. It'll take the car and the house with it. Are y'all hearing me today? Money is unfaithful, but God is forever faithful. Amen. He will, the Bible says this, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Amen. So you've got to lean into him. You've got to lean into kingdom living. Glory to God. When you lean into the kingdom of God and you lean into kingdom living, then God will see to it that every need that you have is not only provided for and supplied, but he'll exceed the need. Amen. He'll not only give you what you desire, but he'll give you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Amen. Glory. Glory. <laughs> Boy, Titus, he's alert today. <laughs> he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And look what it says in verse 26. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Isn't that interesting? That the disciples start looking at each other after Jesus said this, and it says and they were, they were really tripping out now. Do you know why they were tripping out? Because they had money. They had money. And they still believe that Jesus, you know what? I'm going to tell you, if they were poor, you know good and well if they were poor, they'd have been like, like plugged up really. Amen. That's right, Jesus. Rich people going to hell on a grease pole. But they weren't. They were business owners. They were, they were marketplace people. You know, some people say, well, you know, because Peter gets to chiming in here in a minute. In fact, let's just read. Oh, they were astonished out of measure. They said, who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith this, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter. Now you remember Peter. When Jesus called Peter, he was on a ship. Getting ready to go fishing or, 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 had, or had just gone fishing. And he said, follow after me and I'll make you a fisher of man. And Peter left his fishing business to go with Jesus. Now, guess what? Just before Jesus, uh, just before we don't hear about Jesus anymore in the New Testament, the last part of the book of John, Peter says this to disciples uh, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So Jesus calls him and said, come on, come follow me. I'll make you a fisher of man. He leaves his business to go with Jesus. Then at the end, when Jesus' death, he's died, he's, he's uh, rose from the dead, and he's resurrected. Peter says this, I'm going fishing. So Peter went back. Now, now listen, he didn't get a rod and reel in a tackle box and go to a, a little pond, you know, over. It. That, he wasn't sport fishing. They took ships and nets. We know that because we see the story progress. They took ship, ships and nets, and he took other disciples with him. Peter went right back to it. He had a fishing business to go back to. His, his business never shut down. He just left it for other people to do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peter was loaded. 
Peter traveled with Jesus for three years and left his business with other people. When he heard, when he heard Jesus say that about money, he's like, who then can be saved? I mean, they're, they're tripping out. I'm surprised one of them didn't try to throw some manipulation in there. Well, I'm going to hold back my tithe. I didn't like that. What are you going to do without my support, Jesus? <laughs> then Peter said to him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. <laughs> and Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive it. Go back to that verse. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake and the gospels. You know what? That, that ought to tell you something right there. You know what some people think? The Lord will never tell you to leave your house. Lord will never, Lord will never tell you to leave your brethren. Lord will never tell you to leave your sisters. Lord will never tell you to leave your father. Some of you can't even hear God say that. You're not capable of hearing because you won't facilitate that kind of thinking. And not being able to facilitate that kind of thinking will rob you of the inheritance of the things that come with eternal life see that's a that's a scary thought for many people in here that when your brother calls you say sorry what nope can't do it gotta do the will of God well you know what don't call me no more okay When, when, COVID, when COVID hit, that's what I had to do. With my, I, I literally had to do that for the first time in years with my family. Now, I did it early on in my life and in my ministry where I told my family, hey, I'm living for the Lord. I'm going to do this God's way. I'm not going to. But then, you know, everything was going, going by. And we're having barbecues and picnics and, and hanging out with family. And there's birthday parties. And we're going to eat Mexican food. And, and all is well. But then COVID comes. And they're like, man, you, you need to stop traveling because you're putting us in danger. Nope. Keep on traveling. Well, then don't come over. Okay. Well, don't you love us? Oh, I love you a bunch, but I ain't going to stop. I'm not going to stop doing what God told me to do. Well, you know what? Don't, don't even, you don't love us. Don't even come. Okay, fine. I mean, it's up to you. One time my mother walked in my house, told me to choose between her and my wife. Can you imagine that? My mother. She was upset. It's either her or me. You know what I did? I walked to the door. I opened it. I said, get out. You know why? Because that's the way of the spirit. You didn't know I did that, did you, Tyler? Okay. <clears throat> Did I love my mother? Absolutely. Love my mother to death. 
But if you're going to get crazy on me, I'm going to lean on the word of God. Amen. 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 <laughs> so guess what? Sometimes you got sometimes you gotta leave home. Even if you're a homebody, sometimes you gotta leave home. Even if you love being at home, sometimes you sometimes you gotta get up out the house. But it's so much more comfortable here. God knows that. That's why he said get out. That's why sometimes you got to go and you've got you to put your brother second, not first. But I love you, but you're second. Sisters, second. Father, second. Mother, second. Wife, second. Second to God. That's what I, that's what, we did that over and over and over again. I ran and I went and did what God told me to do and Annie stayed at home and instead of pouting and, and whining about it, we just went ahead and we did the will of God. And we walked in the blessing of the kingdom. We saw the sick healed and the bound set free and the lost saved. Amen. We saw miracles abound. Glory to God. And we were blessed. We were blessed in the city. We were blessed in the field. We was blessed coming in. We was blessed going out. Everywhere we walked and everything we put our hand to was blessed. Glory. I, I put my head down to go to sleep. Now I'm asleep in two minutes. And he hates that. But you know, that's a benefit of the kingdom. I don't have to try to go to sleep. I go to sleep. I don't have, I don't have to try to get out of bed. I wake up and I get out of bed and I'm joyful. Glory to God. I don't care if it's Monday or Friday. Amen. I thank God for every day. You know, when you lean into the spirit, you don't care what day it is. For my sake and for the gospel, verse almost done. Boos. Say, say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. All right. No one left house. No one's left house. Brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands. For my sake and the gospel. Next verse. But he should get this. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Say receive a hundredfold. Receive. This scripture doesn't say you're going to receive a hundredfold in the sweet by and by. Some glad morning when this life is over. By and by when the morning comes. That's not what it says. You're going to receive a hundredfold when? Now. When? Now. Now. In this time. Amen. So the blessing is, amen. The, that, that blessing of the kingdom is not just for heaven. It's for now. An abundant supply, it's for now. You need to claim yours right now in the name of Jesus. Claim yours right now in the name of Jesus. Thank God. Hallelujah. You'll receive a hundredfold now in this time. It says, and look what it says first. Houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. And look, Jesus knew. With persecutions and in the world to come, eternal Glory to God. Hallelujah. Stand up all over the place. Praise God. Amen. Finally, my brethren. <laughs> yeah, you can, bring that. you can bring that up here, Ayla. 
You can bring your offering anytime. Y'all know how to do that. If you need an envelope, envelopes are on the counter there. But I receive that in the name of Jesus. Be a tither. Be an offering giver. But even more than that, we've got to, we, we as God's people have to be willing to lean into the spirit and follow the flow of eternal life in our lives. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Well, glory. Amen. Well, I preached myself happy. Amen. <laughs> glory. 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 You know, Brother Hagen used to talk about how that that flow of life was in him in such a powerful way. Glory. Amen. That people would get around him and they would, in, they would receive an increase uh, in, that, in that flow of life in their lives. Like the fellow that had diabetes and he traveled with Brother Hagen and then he didn't register no sugar whole time he traveled with Brother Hagin. Not only the whole time he traveled with Brother Hagin, but even after he went home. Like he said, he was home for three weeks, three or maybe three months before he started registering sugar again when he tested. Because that flow of life in Brother Hagin suspended all that was afflicting this guy because eternal life and that flow of life wouldn't allow that to function in this guy. Because he understood he had authority. Amen. He had, he had power. Praise God. Thank God, thank God, thank God. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome to hang around with people that will, that, that have such a, such a great measure of the Spirit of God working in them and such a great measure of authority that works in them that when you get around them, it suspends uh, carnal things and things that the enemy intends for evil, that it causes those things to be suspended, to be held off. It's even more powerful when you can walk in that flow yourself and be that blessing to others. Praise God. You know, my dad, he used to like to try to harass me back in the day. He used to like to try to push my buttons. And in the beginning, he used to push my buttons. And I, I'd get angry with him when I first started serving the Lord. He'd tell me all kinds of craziness just to, just to get me riled up. Finally, I just start leaning into the Spirit. You know, when I leaned into the Spirit, he'd say stuff, and I'd be like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what you say. Uh, the, the influence of heaven is here through me. And I said, whether you, whether you realize it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you're conscious of it or not, God is doing something on your behalf just because I'm here. Amen. And then my dad had an experience one time that, that uh, shook him up, and it revealed to him the influence that believe believers have and I, I I know many of you've heard me tell this and I think I told it while he was present one time but one time I was asleep in my room and an evil spirit came in uh, to my room a demon I at first I thought it was my dad coming in to check on me because he used to come in late to check on him. but this thing had to bend down to get through the door and it had what looked like a blanket in its hands and when it threw that blanket on me I was paralyzed I couldn't speak and I couldn't move and, and I'm watching it walk out the door, and I'm trying to rebuke it. Now, I, I, I'll spare you telling you the whole story, but long story short, finally I lifted up a finger, and I began to rebuke that thing, and it took off out of my room. And I fell asleep. 
Well, the next day when I, when I woke up, I was in the car. My dad was taking me to school. That's how young I was. It was before I actually even had my driver's license. So I, I, was, I, I, was even, I wasn't even 16 yet. But when I got in the car and I sat in the car, my dad put the car in reverse to pull out. My little sister was sitting uh, there. Tyler's mother was sitting in between us. And I said, I said, you know, Pop, I don't want to scare, we called my sister Ninu then. I said, I don't want to scare Ninu. I said, but I had something happen, and I feel like I'm supposed to share it with you. I had something happen to me last night. <clears throat> I'll never forget the look on his face. He shoved that car into park, and he looked at me. I mean, my dad's already pretty light-complected, but he was pale. And he looked at me, and he said, before you tell me what happened to you, let me tell you what happened to me. And he began to tell me the story that he came home from work three in the morning took a shower was going to go into the room to see how i was <clears throat> but was so tired he just went and laid down to go to sleep he said all of a sudden he said the devil came in my room that's how he described it i said how do you know it was the devil he said because i felt like i was going to die he said and it came in my room and it started to choke me and i couldn't breathe and i couldn't move i was paralyzed i couldn't do anything he said, then I heard a loud thundering voice speak. He said, and I knew it was the voice of God. I said, what did he say? He said, because your son is in the house, you're going to be all right. Don't be afraid. He said, right then, he said, a wave of peace hit him. And he said, he slept better than he'd ever slept before and woke up the next morning, you know, that morning rejuvenated. I looked at him and I said, see, I told you. Honestly, if we can exercise our faith and believe that God will work through us to change our environment, to change our atmosphere, that's the biggest obstacle that we have to overcome, many of us, for, for, to see the, the, the blessing of the Lord manifested on a higher level in every area of life, including our finances. I hope this is helping somebody. I, I, maybe I've gotten into some things that, um, that some of you didn't. You know, you're like, wow, you know, this, this is kind of, it's over my head, it's over my head. Uh, <laughs> well, sometimes we need to get in a little over our heads. Amen. Amen. We'll, we'll get into some more simple things next week. How's that? Praise God. All right. Is everybody, is everybody sown? What's this week? Six? Week number six? Seven? Week number seven for supersede. If you're a superseder, Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, for every seed sown. God, we thank you for every tithe, for every offering. Bless your people, Lord, for their obedience to you. God, as they give, may it be given back to them. Lord, let your word be made manifest to your people uh, today, this week. Lord, may they see the goodness of God released in them, toward them, through them, because they lean into your spirit and allow the flow of your life for the glory of God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus bless every gift bless every giver Lord we thank you for it come on pray with me in the Holy Ghost just for two minutes Borosapanaman Jandere Marepto 
Saboro socorro dono mosekeche bengeleche. Tari friend ne mesekeche bengeleche tereba aramonseta. Glory, glory. Telfere driete rebesea. Mara shaporo. Menek socorro. Talfa aradriete. Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen, I want to encourage you all to really press. Really press in for the Lord to do something greater for you. I mean, press in hard. And trust, trust God for a breakthrough. In fact, trust Him for a breakthrough this week in your finances. Trust Him for a breakthrough this week in your finances. Happy birthday, Zedric. 12 years old, right? Amen. Do we have any other birthdays this week? You know, I've been neglecting the birthdays. But old, old Zedrick, well, he was, he was just a pup. In fact, that's what you called him back in the day, was pup. He's just a little old puppy. Doughy-eyed, roll up in here. Him and, him and Tito there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a good one? All right, praise the Lord. Don't forget your tithe. <laughs> Amen. Be a tither, be an offering giver. Amen. Praise God. All right, this week I'll be here on Wednesday. I'm expecting the Lord to do great things. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Ghost, and God's been working. Tyler did an outstanding job from what I hear. I listened to a part of it and then got, uh, had to go somewhere, so I didn't get to listen to all of it, but what I heard was dynamite. JJ would have said it. He'd have been like, dynamite. But anyway, uh, this, this week, yeah, Shawnee tonight, 6 o'clock, um, 5 o'clock, and so come and join us if you can, if you'd like to, uh, in Shawnee. Um, I was going to have you if you wanted to. You all could have come here for the Super Bowl. Nobody contacted me, so enjoy the Super Bowl at home if that's where you're going to. I'm for the Cincinnati Bengals, just like uh, Talisha. Uh, if if uh, Ohio is playing, that's who we're for. Unless Pittsburgh's playing, then we're for Pittsburgh. Did you just put a thumb down for Pittsburgh? Oh, Dallas? Oh, Dallas. Oh, go Rams. I thought that was for Dallas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Listen, I love you. Go in his presence before you leave. Love someone. Yes. Don't forget about the pretzel uh, fundraiser. Uh, spend some spend some money on those pretzels. They're delicious. I promise you, you will enjoy them. But um, I love you guys. God bless you. Go in his presence. I'll see. Yes. Women's meeting after service. Is it here? Yeah. Just come. Uh, you can sit in here. Uh, those of you that want to, that are participating in that Wednesday. I love you guys. I will see you all on Wednesday in Jesus' name.